Hey everybody, it's Jim Sirk. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, first off, hope everybody is safe. Your families are safe and healthy, and you know you're hanging tough through this uh, through this time. All love, prayers go out to my uh, my friends, my followers, um, who are 1099 reps in this healthcare elective surgery shutdown. Um, I know it's pretty painful. And uh, all prayers out to you guys, and uh, hope you're hanging tough. And and with that, I wanted to launch this podcast because it's it's a pretty light-hearted podcast with me, obviously, and Tom Williamson, who is the chief commercial officer at Tissue Tech. Tom and I worked together at Intellis, and he um, he then took my spot after I left. But we focus in on you know his career. He started off as an engineer, and uh, and now as a chief commercial officer. So I can tell you, any anybody from any type of background can uh, can make it in this med tech world as long as uh, you're willing to work your ass off. So we talk about you know selling as a process, a problem solving process that we're here to overcome obstacles, not uh, point them out, but actually overcome them. Uh, we talk about training. Uh, you know, he talks about the great training that he got as a, as a young sales rep with his first job. And uh, advice out to all you young people out there that are going to be looking for jobs. I know a lot of you contact me and want to get into the med tech space. That's great. Um, if you can do it, that's that's awesome. But don't turn down opportunities in which these companies are going to give you some great sales training because that, just like in education, you take with you through for life. Um, so yeah, so so Tom started at Stryker and then came to Intellis for his first startup. We talk about the reps that he's looking to hire, the reps that we saw that were successful at Intellis that, as I say, you have to be a student of your game. You have to create this learning organization. You ha- If you want to go to a startup, you have to be okay with things not being perfect and not having a lot of things that you're you might be used to at, at larger companies, um, you know. And we we talk about tissue tech, and I mean I'm telling you this company is is going to be on fire. I I think it's probably one of the only companies that has 30 consecutive years of NIH research grants. They're doing some great stuff over there, and you know it because the government's helping them out and uh, and, and moving that segment of the business in, in a in a different uh, direction. And I'm really excited to watch this company grow. Tom will be looking to hire some reps when uh, everything calms down. So uh, I think it's a great podcast to take a listen to and uh, uh get to know Tom a little bit and listen to two guys sharing some old war stories. So without further ado, let's get at it. everybody to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Surik and uh, I'm really excited today because I have someone on the podcast that I worked with at Intellis, came aboard, um, took my place after I left and is just an overall great human being, very talented and his name is Tom Williamson. Tom, welcome to the Medical Sales Nation. Hey Jim, glad to be here. Yeah, so why don't we start off so 
the audience could get to know a little bit about you, um, your background, and we'll go into a little bit about our collaboration at Intellis and talk about where you're at today and the company, Tissue Tech, and uh, let's go from there. You got it. Sounds good. So uh, I guess the, the, the unique thing about me that I usually like to start with is uh, somehow I'm a, an engineer by training, but wound up uh, with a career in sales and commercial leadership. So <clears throat> I like to start there because I think it it is somewhat unique in that that engineering training and kind of process and problem solving degree really translates to the, the sales and, and commercial world. Um, because as you know, sales is, is all about solving problems and, and removing obstacles. But, you know, I started my career in the, in the chemical world, um, climbing on the top of hospitals rather than being in the ORs of hospitals, um, messing with their cooling towers and, and boiler, uh, selling chemicals for Nalco Chemical, okay. uh, based out of your na- neck of the woods up there in Naperville. Yeah, I think uh, they either changed their name or they moved, but they yeah. did. They were bought and sold a few different times, I guess, post the, um, you know, when I was there. Um, but the one thing that they did do, they, they were a phenomenal training organization. So that was kind of my first foray into sales. Um, I mean, they sent us away on one of those classic two, three week boot camps. Um, where it was videotaped role plays and, and they really drove a strong sales culture. So that was kind of the first adoption from translating from a, from an engineer to a salesperson. Um, they hired all engineers, believe it or not, and then taught them how to sell. So that, I'm thankful for that experience because it really kind of launched me <clears throat> into, uh, the, the career and where I'm at now. Um, from the, from the chemical world, right around the turn of the, you know, Y2K, um, like many, I, I transitioned to the tech world and, and got into software. Um, again, being able to leverage that technical thought process and technical degree, sold an engineering software um, with parametric technology. And, and that, again, that company is still going strong and it is utilized by a lot of the companies that you and I have worked for or, or know about in the med device space. And, and that was really my introduction to, to medical device because the software that I was selling Pro engineer was used by Salser Orthopedics. If you remember those guys, oh sure, yeah. So um, kind of kind of coming foot uh, full circle as we were discussing earlier about this foot and ankle show. But you know they they were using this pro engineer to design their um, hardware for total ankles and and small joints. And uh, as I was going through that sales process as the software salesperson. Um, I really started to dig into this medical device world and, and it got me thinking um, that that's a perfect combination of marrying selling skills with that technical background. And so um, I, I started from that day forward a- after that you know, sales process, kind of starting to, to open up my search to get into med device sales. And, uh, and believe it or not, <clears throat> uh, when... You know, uh, through a recruiter, they had this opening at Stryker, uh, and it was a startup division. So we're looking at right around 2001, and uh, you could Google Stryker and not get a medical device company. Um, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even own the web domain Stryker.com. It was, a, it was like a financial business or financial planning business out of New Jersey. Holy cow. To tell you how far the internet and Stryker has come sure. just in 20, in 20 years. 
Um, so they were interviewing for a, a startup division within their instruments division um, called Interventional Pain. And I didn't even know at that time that there was such a thing called a pain doctor is how naive I was. Um, but anyway, landed there and, and from day one <clears throat> was really blown away by the impact that you could have um, on the physician's practices and their patients. Um, and it was something that, you know, you felt like you were winning every single day. And so just fell in love with that and ate it up. And, and Stryker's um, business model then, I mean, it was it was really a 100% commission job. And, and you were an entrepreneur. It was like, you know, your own little business that was backed by a, a pretty big company at that time. They were still, I think, less than a billion in sales um, when I started with those guys. Because I, I remember my first national sales meeting there goal was to get to five billion by 2005 okay um and so again puts it all kind of in perspective um but really kind of dug into the 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 sales process there used the training that i had from nalco and and ptc and and was just kind of left to left on our own there was 18 of us across the country um you know selling uh into these pain and and interventional radiology offices um interventional pain products so again you had the feel good component because the whole concept there was you could intervene on this pain rather than just have them prescribe a drug sure of course and and so again really good feel good component there learned a ton um after about three years we went through a little bit of a reboot and uh, they had some leadership changes leadership shake up um so i got an opportunity to move into management um, and again, that, that's when, you know, you have those career light bulb moments that that's when I got into a, a spot and said, man, this is, this feels right. I, I could do this for a living. Just enjoyed the impact of, uh, inspiring others and kind of picking a team and putting those puzzle pieces together, uh, again, leveraging that kind of problem solving thought process, um, and, and really tackle those challenges. And, and it, I, it was more rewarding to watch others succeed than any sales award or sales success that I had for myself. Sure. Um, so really took that and ran with it. And again, was super fortunate to take advantage of the amazing training opportunities that, that Stryker provides um, <clears throat> and got to go through you know, management training through Gallup. Um, they, they have a, a fantastic Harvard program for kind of their um, up and coming leaders. And, and that was really career changing. Um, and so after about two years of management, um, there was a, another major shakeup. And what the company had done is they broke up the instruments division into four separate divisions. And so we were kind of big enough. We were, I don't know, 25 or 30 million in sales at that time. And so I uh, was able to get the opportunity to run the entire sales force um, at that time. So at a pretty young age, and, and I know you and I have talked before, you, you kind of just, you're thrown in the deep end, right? You're, yeah. You, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, you feel like you have a pretty good idea of what makes people tick. And, um, you know, I had, had pretty good support from, from the company, but it, it was a fun ride to figure that out. And I was fortunate to have a marketing partner um, that had come from the startup world. And so we just approached that striker interventional spine was what we changed the name from interventional pain to interventional spine. We changed that business uh, and really gave it this kind of startup culture. 
um, where we were going to do things a little bit different um, and, and, and had fun doing that. We built this kind of brotherhood uh, of a team and everybody trust each other. And, you know, you worked hard and you had a good time doing it. And, and we took off. We started growing like a weed, getting the right people in place and hiring some phenomenal talent. Um, and that business now, heck, I think it does 120 plus million. I'd have to double check that. But it really started to kind of take off. Um, and, and throughout that process, kind of that startup world <clears throat> and having a, a good partner who came from the startup world said, you know, if, it, if the opportunity ever presents itself, you really should think about doing, you know, a startup outside of the striker umbrella. And, and ultimately, that's what led me to you. Right, and right. We met, we, we met in the conference room of the O'Hare uh, airport. That's right. Um, and so, and I knew, you know, uh, Matt that was there already, and he, he kind of had that striker background and, and just talking with him and you and, and seeing what the opportunity was at Intellis to, to, again, it was, you know, it was a a specialty that was in need and had a strong appetite for technology and development. And, and I think that's a, a good indicator if, if, you know, when you're looking for a change, um, hindsight being 2020, that was probably the, the, the most opportunistic and fortunate thing that we had was that the, the call point um, really hadn't been penetrated that much by technology advancement and and we had something that was you know both better for the patient and financially better for the physician and for the whole system and so it was a perfect marriage um to really kind of dig in there and you know i was talking with um with brandon who we worked with just uh, a couple days ago and and when i started he had just started at intellis i had seven direct reports so if you think about that right from, from where it is now right so we had you know, a chunk of the, a chunk of the country and we had seven direct people. Um, and then to watch that just kind of double and, and catch fire, um, you know, uh, was just a tremendous opportunity. Yeah. Well, it was, um, it, like you said, there wasn't a lot of technology that was um, moving into that space at the time. You had uh, a clearance, you know, J&J bottom, but they were really just trying to tackle something in the OR where we took it to the office. That's right. Right? Where you're changing. I always tell people, I said, you know, uh, this advice was given to me years ago, or I don't know if it's advice or insight saying a surgeon usually changes their instrument use or their implant use, their tools once in a career. Mm -hmm. And um, if they do it twice, it's a miracle. Um, And we were changing not only the tools that they used, the site of service in which they were providing care and, um, uh, you know, on an awake patient, right? Yep. So tools, site of service on, on an awake patient and uh, trying to bring that all together is uh, was a challenge, you know, and but it was a good story, right? I mean, you're impacting everybody, um, you know, the financial, like you said, you're impacting the patient from a financial perspective as well as a clinical perspective, same with the doc, same with the healthcare. So the, it was an exciting time for sure. It, it really was. And, and now you, you kind of look at, at healthcare and so many specialties are moving to that office setting. Um, and, and 
it's been interesting kind of seeing that across a couple of different specialties because that, that pain management, right. And some of the sports medicine and, and things that we called on at Stryker um, are doing the same exact thing. And, and, and these office suites, um, sometimes it's hard to even tell the difference between that and a surgery center. Yeah, it's true. No, it's, it's really changing. It has to change just from a cost perspective. We cannot continue to pay for all this healthcare. There's, there has to be cost incentives to, you know, to reduce cost, improve quality outcomes because it just can't last. So uh, Intellis really was on the forefront of changing people's minds about what you can do in an office, right? So It was. No, yeah. that was it, was. it was exciting. And, and you still see it. I mean, the, the, what's crazy is what, when we were there, we started in 2011. So now they're almost 10 years later. And, and the office element is still has a ton of runway. Yeah, it does. It does. It takes time to change. That's yeah. what, right. I mean, that's what, that's what, you know, people don't understand is that you could have a great, great product, a great, great message. It still takes a lot of effort. People just don't yeah. flip. So, um, so let me ask you this, Tom, when you came to Intellis, okay, you're coming out of Striker. It's in that startup world within Striker, but you still have a backing of, you know, a huge company. Mm -hmm. Um, what were your thoughts after, you know, about six months or whatever, when you got to Intellis and you compared it to where you came from, what was, what were the things that you looked at and said, huh, that, that's, that's interesting, you know, because of X, Y, or Z. So the, a couple of things come to mind. Um, one is I, I really love the autonomy that we had at Intellis because of our size and we could be a lot more nimble and agile to, to get things done and, and be creative and think outside the box. Not that that was severely limited at Stryker, but a big company, you get, you know, a few extra layers and, and it gets a little bit tedious. Um, and so I, I love the ability that we had to go fast at Intellis. Yeah. Um, and, and, and go fast in a meaningful way and, and being able to leverage some of the learnings and the process of a big company, but kind of put your own spin on it. Um, and I think that's what we were able to do at Intellis that was, that was unique and, and made it fun because you could take all the good things and great things really from, from that bigger company and, and kind of employ what you felt was the best and most impactful and then kind of not worry about the rest. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Not ask for forgiveness if you fail, really. That's right. Right? And you had that latitude. Yeah. You know, and you can even see the difference even in TELUS, you know, pre-IPO and post-IPO. Um, you know, I, I always use the analogy when we were post-IPO, any kind of tweaks or changes you had to make to the business, it was it was like changing the oil on your car while it was still moving. Yeah, that's exactly it, right. You know? Yeah. And so that, that's a different set of challenges. It is. It's funny, too, because uh, I'll, I'll talk to, you know, some CEOs, obviously, with this podcast, and they'll talk about uh, everyone, you know, the, the exit strategy is there. Everyone's talking about it. You know, you'll hear you got to play long ball. Well, they are playing long ball, but you still have to pay attention to the exit. And this exit of going IPO, you know, CEOs, they'll ask me and I'm like, ah, it changes your business. It's, mm -hmm. it's you, it you just have to be aware that you're not going to be able to do what you're doing now. Um, and it will change. And it it's not good or bad. It just you're going to change with it. So you just got to be aware of it. So that's very true. You know, um, 
what the other thing is is that you know when it comes from the reps coming into startups, um, you've got to have somewhat almost naive. You talk about Brandon. I mean, I love that guy. Yeah. One of my favorite people in the world, and Brandon Caraway. And um, I remember at training, he came in. And he was hired as like a, a junior rep at the time. Yeah. And, you know, he told me after training, he's like, I just want you to know I'm going to win President's Club. I was like, it's <laughs> like, okay, you know, you're the fifth person to tell me that. So it's like somebody's got to win it. So rookie of yep. the year. And, um, and he did, right? That was the thing. He actually did win rookie of the year and, um, and multiple President's Clubs after that. But the thing was is he had um, – an unbelievable desire to succeed, but he also was a learner, right? He was a student who was constantly trying and learning. And, you know, from my perspective, when you come into a startup, you have to expect that this is your own business and that you might not know everything. It's good to have your experiences, but you need to be a student of what's happening to you versus the company's going to figure everything out for you. That, that you just nailed it. That, that's the, the, the biggest thing that I've noticed now in a couple of different startups is you have to be okay not having everything spoon fed to you. Yeah. Right? We, we don't have everything figured out. And, and there's a lot of people that thrive in that environment, Brandon being one of them. There's also a lot of really good people, good salespeople that cannot operate in that environment. Um, and, and they struggle in this kind of little bit of a, of an unknown, um, that is kind of the startup world. You gotta, you gotta have a, it takes a special character, um, whether that, that intestinal fortitude to really be able to, to deal with that change, um, and taking a job, not knowing everything. Yeah. So what and, do you do? Because I find it, it's very difficult to. I don't know. I find it. It's very difficult to interview for that characteristic. Um, have you found anything that really works for you to find that person? Because it does two things. Let's be honest. If you don't have it, you don't want to go into a startup. You don't. Right? No, I always look for somebody, Jim, that, that has had to overcome something. And, and that doesn't need to be like personal tragedy, but um, it could be a professional setback. It could be you know, folks that, you know, had the, you know, the thing about Brandon, right? He has the grit. I mean, that, that kid's been working to pay tuition and, and do everything from, you know, as an early teenager. And so it's, it's hardwired into his DNA, um, using him as an example. But this, you know, in an interview process, if you can really dig in and peel back the onion and get someone to uncover um, something that they had to overcome or work hard to struggle, whether it was a, a learning disability or, you know, getting fired from a job that they loved or you name it, it's just some type of setback and they can get through that. I'll take that person on my team in the startup world yeah. because they, they have, they have that life experience um, where it wasn't just checking the box or, you know, do X, Y, Z, get promoted, do X, Y, Z, get promoted. Um, it wasn't a linear trail. They, they had to kind of carve their own path. And I, and I think that's the folks, if we look back and we start, you know, if we wanted to do the who's who or the folks that performed the best at Intel us, um, I think you would find that same commonality. And those same folks were in that striker startup division and the folks that we're looking for now here at, at Tissue Tech. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause that, that, 
like I said, it it's so important to also convince somebody that this isn't the job for them, right? Because yep. you're gonna you're not gonna do well and and get them to fight back a little bit to see you know if they if they understand it. But it is so critical because in the startup world, turnover's high. And, it is, you know, and it and it is because people think they want to be in a startup, right? They're like, yeah, I want to do this, and then it's uh, I, I love this all the time too. It's like, hey, uh, Jim, here's a problem, and line up, you know, outline the problem for me, and I go, well, what's the solution? Well, I don't know. I'm just telling you what the problem is. And- uh, you said we were <laughs> quoting you. Yeah, your ears must have been burning. We were quoting you just this week. That same, I said. Uh, Brandon and I were happened to be in, a, in an interview, and we're like, we need people that don't just tell us the building's on fire. We need people that can come put it out. That's exactly right. And that comes from Charlie Johnson, where he would say, he goes, I don't need cub reporters telling me the school's on fire. How about yeah. you grab a hose, put it out, and figure out a way that that doesn't happen again? That really sums up what you need to have to, to thrive in that startup. You know, you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable, not knowing, you know, what your exact comp's going to be, for instance. You know, there's so many people that get wrapped around the axle there. And frankly, when I took the job at Stryker to back up kind of to my personal story, that software world, we were spoiled, right? We had a really high base and you were selling this enterprise-wide software. So it was, you know, you had a, a low single digit points in commission, but your base salary was super high. To make that jump to go to that striker startup division, which there was zero base business, um, and you know they go three, five, six month guarantee or draw or something like that. That was the most nerve wracking decision of my career. Yeah. Right. I was I was and gay about to be married, and you know you're starting to take on all this responsibility. But it turned out, and this is when I figured out that I was kind of wired that way. It turned out to be the the best thing I had ever done, and I, I thrive like oh my gosh, I, I can write my own paycheck once yeah. you start, to, you know. Yeah. And, and 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 it takes that kind of wiring that that's going to succeed here. You got to be okay knowing that well, I did well this month. What am I going to do next month? Yeah. No. Exactly. You're you're absolutely right. And if you're if you're having, I've also found if you have people haggling over. A salary, they're, they're not looking They're not at, the right person. They're not the right person. They're not looking at it the right way. That's right. right. And uh, I never forget this interview when I was with sophomore Danik. And this, this person, um, you know, they had their nice resume and, you know, in a folder and it looks all great. And uh, the candidate says to me, just so you know, my base salary is a minimum 125000 Now, this was like, 1995, 96. Oh, wow. With like three years of experience, I took the resume and I pushed it back over uh, to her and I said, um, you know what? It, this is a 100% commission job. Basically, it was. And uh, I'm not guaranteeing you that. Started to backpedal. And I said, no, no, no. Because this will be a conversation you and I have if you're hired for the next two years. Mm-hmm. So you're better off finding that job where you're more comfortable that you can go to bed at night knowing there's a, there's a base there. But, you know, we got guys making three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year that work their, their butts off. You can get there, but it's not yep. guaranteed. And it was funny because she looks at me and she goes, I, I think you're right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I am. Trust me, I am. Yeah. And, well, you, you got to be willing to bet on yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And so let's talk about that a little bit because um, 
I still find the and this it doesn't it's not a hundred percent truism, but if you get reps that have one or two years of experience, whether in medical device or not, and even or college students coming out, they don't have that baggage of experience. Not that it's good or bad, but it experience mm-hmm. trains your mind to think in a certain way. So I'm I'm big on hiring that younger, inexperienced talent and developing them in the way in which your culture, you mentioned culture, mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit, to that you can ingrain the culture that you want in them to get better results. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's real easy as a hiring manager to get lulled into somebody's experience or their perceived relationships with customers in that particular space, right? Even if you're, you know, if you're trying to hire an ortho and you're looking for folks that have ortho experience, um, I, I always challenge my management team to go against that, right? You're, it, that, that almost feels like the easy button. Um, I would rather someone that has that, you know, like you said, they, they have that fire and, and that rocket personality that, you know, you just need to help direct that rocket. Right. Um, you, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, generate them or create the rocket. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm with you um, on that because, you know, to me, I, I always try to coach to, Experience is a bonus. They have to have everything else first. And if they don't, don't let experience make your hiring decision. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, and that gives hope to, you know, a lot of people out there trying to break in. I, um, well, think about the folks. I mean, some of the people that, you know, first folks that come to my mind about, you know, you make an impact on their life. It's the ones that you gave them that chance. Yeah. And, and man, they're, they're, they're loyal and they will work for you and they will follow and, and they're just great hires and they're yeah. great people and they, and they help shape that culture um, and that culture of trust. Cause you, you know, you, the, the way we build that loyalty is through trust. And you say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to trust you and give you an opportunity that I think you're ready for. You may not think you're ready for or know that, but um, you kind of give them that. And, and that's when it's fun. Yeah. I know it's 100%. I still get text messages, emails of people that, you know, I haven't forgotten about, but I haven't been in contact. And they're like, I just want to let you know what you did for me. And sometimes you don't even realize the impact you've had on people's lives. I mean, it's just, you just no doubt kind of go about your life. But those people will always be there, you know, for you and, and you'll be there for them. And it just builds that, like you said, that brotherhood bond that, Really is is uh, it's like going to battle together, especially in a startup. Because oh yeah, yeah, because you're you're licking your wounds together. The, yeah. the most most rewarding text that I've gotten or calls that I've gotten, and it usually comes in January, and it's after the national sales meeting season when you said, "Hey, thanks for hiring me five years ago, ten years ago, twelve years ago. I just made another Presidents Club, or I just you know we had the biggest bonus check I've ever had, and it was all because of." you know, you giving me a chance yeah. and it still gives me goosebumps even just saying it. Yeah, no. And it's, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. So let's, Tom, let's dive into um, where you're at now, tissue tech. Yeah. And uh, um, I want to, I just want to learn a little bit more about this. Um, why don't you just give us a, a little quick insight and I just have some questions for you. Yeah, you bet. So it, it's, it's a fantastic space. So, so tissue tech is, is actually the parent company of, of, two companies. One's called BioTissue and one's called Amniox. 
Um, our biotissue business is all centered around corneal repair and the optometry and ophthalmic, ophthalmologic uh, business. Uh, ophthalmic, rather. So easy for me to say. I'm four <laughs> months in. Um, and, and, and we were really the, the pioneer there. Um, our founder of the company um, was an uh, um, ophthalmologist and just a fantastic scientist. And so he, he first discovered this uh, component of the birth tissue and its application on cornea repair. And, and that was back in 97, I think, when, when biotissue was founded, believe it or not. And so it shows you that this whole birth tissue regenerative medicine market has been around for quite a while. Um, and then the amniotic side, so we got to 2011 and, and found the success that they, the companies had on the ocular side um, and started to dive into some surgical applications. So surgical wound, um, tendon repair, some soft tissue, some injectables for, for uh, joint pain. And um, <clears throat> it's, it's really a, a fascinating space. I mean, it, it's, it's like science fiction to see what this technology does in its application um, for surgical wound, for um, anti-inflammatory uh, wound healing and pain management. I mean, it, it touches a lot of stuff. Um, and it's, it's really, we're really, as long as it's been around, it, we're really just now figuring out the science behind it. Um, and, and, and it's, uh, again, it, 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 as you I mean, it, 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 it's almost, it makes you speechless. I mean, it, it's really pretty neat to see the impact that this has, um, on all kinds of, specialties and, and you talk about the burden of uh, costs on healthcare and you think of diabetes, right? And yeah. so, you know, one of our major applications is for diabetic foot ulcers. Um, and we've got some tremendous success in the worst of the worst, these Wagner threes and fours where their next option is amputation. Right. And the, da the data on amputation, right? Most of those patients die within five years. Yeah. And so if you can save that limb, um, and, and that's, that's what we're seeing. You know, we're, we're, uh, launching a phase three trial now for our, our wound healing on label application, um, which would just be tremendous. Okay. So putting this into some context for, for the audience and, and actually for myself. So my oldest daughter's 22. She graduates in May when she was born, someone at the hospital said, would you like to save her the umbilical cord and the placenta and at the time i was like why <laughs> it was yeah. it was $5000 and you're like why what am i going to do with it and the people that were i i don't know selling it if you will couldn't really answer the question there was like well if they have, she has a disease sometime in the future this will help how well they'll use their stem cells how right and it was like yeah. th there was no answer and so so I, I, like you said, it's been around a long time, but now it's in getting into that mature state. But who are your competitors? That's so good question. I'll, I'll, I'm going to back up a little bit because you're exactly what, what you described um, of that donation. That's exactly where we get the, the tissue. And so in, in a lot of respects, we don't sell a product, Jim. We, we sell a service because it's a donated tissue. Right. It, it's full term cesarean uh, birth placenta and umbilical cord that we recover. 
Um, and, and the secret sauce that, that Dr. Singh for us is, is figured out is a cryopreservation um, of that tissue. And so then we can manipulate it and put it into a form um, that then has these applications um, across several different specialties. So if you think about our product as more of a platform product, um, and it comes in a couple different formats. So it's a dry powder that you can reconstitute as an injectable. Um, we've got an amniotic membrane, which is a little thinner sheet. Um, and then we've got the umbilical cord product, uh, which is thicker. And that's the one that's really um, heavily utilized in these, these surgical wounds, surgical cases. Okay. So let's, let's go through that a little bit. So let's start with um, the ocular surface um, yep. treatment. So what are you using and how does it work? Yep. So, so we've got that umbilical cord and birth tissue um, if you can picture our, our main product is called Procara and it's a, it's a, like an oversized contact lens. And so if the, if a patient has any type of corneal damage, scratched lens or chemical burn or, um, some kind of, um, even genetic deformity, um, we can help treat that by placing the Procara on, on the surface of the eye and stays there for three to five days. Um, and that birth tissue. So if you, if you think about fetal healing, right? So inside the, in utero, it's, um, in theory, there's no pain, no scarring. Um, and it, it, the body is able to regenerate itself. We transition that to adult healing. And so if there's a, you know, some kind of issue on the eye, um, then that's one application. We also sell, um, a product called AmnioGuard or AmnioGraph that um, is similar. There, there's certain eye conditions or pterygium is one where you're starting to get um, some skin that's growing over the eye and they'll use that tissue um, and it basically recreates, regenerates nerves and, and, and in a lot of cases, um, it, folks that couldn't see before had super cloudy vision. Now that clears up um, and it, it's almost like this fountain of youth that's crazy it, it really is and i'm not and i'm not even doing it justice because you know as sure. as much as i'm learning I, I still don't have it uh, you know all the the exact science figured out but yeah. it's you know the, the one thing that that is unique to our company and, and this is a big reason that i that i came here was it was founded on science and we research everything so we're, we're on our 34th consecutive year of nih grant funding so the government is helping pay us to investigate some of this and, and the promising applications. And that's unprecedented. We've got over 360, uh, 360 peer-reviewed papers um, on the use and applications of our product. And so it, that, that's different because there's a big cloud. You know, you mentioned stem cells earlier. There's a big cloud around this whole space yeah. with, with stem cells, cytokine, exosomes. I mean, there's a... Um, I know you're in the podcast, clearly. Uh, there's one called Bad Batch that, that gives you a pretty good idea of one element of this regenerative medicine um, industry. And, and we're really taking the stance and the discipline to focus just on the science um, because we, we do set ourselves apart in that way. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's tough and takes discipline because there's a lot of, you know, marketing probably strategies we could put into place that might move our needle, but it's not sustainable. And then our whole theme um, in the company is building to last. 
because um, we we think that there's some there's some regulatory changes um, that are happening um, in this whole birth tissue industry that that started in 2017. The the government basically gave you know any player this this three year grace period to to start to study their results and submit INDs or go to this BLA process. Um, and, and we were a little bit ahead of the game on that and, and have really stayed disciplined to that. So we think if the FDA um, mandates come down at the end of this year, which they should, um, we'll be in a really, really attractive spot. And, uh, and we think that the, the smaller players that uh, are in this world uh, will kind of shrink or, or sure. By the wayside. Well, it has to. I mean, there's. It's too. It's well, like you said. It's like it's unre- uh, unregulated, like vitamins over, you know, over the counter. It's like it, it really is, right? It, and it's it's funny. I, as I'm talking, I'm like, all right, I got to make sure because you you can't make these healing claims. And there's you know there's websites and there's stuff out there where these you know they'll claim that this product does everything from Parkinson's to pimples. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's insane. Yeah. Well, there's, I know I've seen stuff like inject your head with uh, stem cells and your hair will grow back. It's like, no, yes. it's not. <laughs> yeah. It, you know? I mean, it, it, it's, it's wild. And you're, you're seeing more and more. So, so we're seeing evidence that the FDA really is serious about this because, you know, our, uh, our legal counsel gets letters, um, you know, about companies that have been, you know, either shut down or received a warning letter. Um, and, and that's literally almost happening on a weekly basis. Yeah, I can believe it. And so, I can believe it. So it is, so it is evolving. Um, and again, I think that, that plays well to us and, and, and the fact that we, we have studied this and we've got these, um, you know, INDs submitted and these active, um, you know, we're, we're entering some pretty exciting stuff um, on the, the phase three um trials for a couple of our applications. That's great. Now, um, so you, so you just joined about what, two months ago? Four months ago. So end of Four October. Months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's been that long. Flies. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah flies. So now you're there. Um, and what, because obviously there's a lot of salespeople that listen to this. What are you doing? What are you trying to create that we talked about, you know, attracting great, uh, great talent. What are you doing? Um, and, uh, from a commercial side to build that out and people might be interested. Yep. No, for sure. So we've got, you know, like I said, so it's two different companies and, and one, the, the ocular business is a little bit more stable because it has been around quite a while and, and we're the market leader. So we have 60% market share in that business. And so in that space, what we're trying to do similar to what we did in ENT is, is we're expanding indications and utilization and really educating the physicians and, and to some extent the patient that there are treatments out there on the, on the amniotic side that this is um, it's pretty unique because this is where a lot of the, the change is happening in the industry. Um, and so we're looking for folks, we're expanding our sales team um, and that's under Brandon Caraway's leadership. Um, we're expanding that sales team to frankly get better coverage. So, but believe it or not, it, it is, long as we've been around, we've got kind of this hybrid model um, where we've got quite a few distributors and we've got a handful of direct reps. And so we're starting to really evaluate some of the open areas throughout the country um, where we can start to build on our direct team. Um, We're not by any means abandoning the distributor route because we've got some fantastic partners that really have put us in a position to win. So um, it's more like 
adding to the team because if you, you know, you'd asked about competitors and we're up against some pretty big boys. Right. And yeah. so, so um, Smith and nephew purchased Osiris and we've got organogenesis. You've got Integra. And these are big organizations, sure hundreds, hundreds of salespeople. And so um, we're, we're, we're small in comparison to them. But again, it reminds me, um, of the IntelliStates. I mean, we, we, it's that same David and Goliath story, and I feel confident that we've got a better product. Yeah. And so the science works. And so, again, we're, we're looking for folks that, that have that, all that stuff we talked about earlier. They've got that, the guts and inter- intestinal fortitude, and they're looking to build something that's going to change medicine because th- this, this really is. I mean, I, I, I joke with our founder that, that, you know, before this is all said and done, he's going to be on the cover of Time Magazine. Sure. Because the, the, the way he's gone about it and the way he approaches the, the research of this, um, it, it, it's doing it right. And it, it, it's, it's really easy to get behind. Um, and it's unique because you feel like you're doing it a little bit different. You're not trying to take a shortcut or the easy road. Um, we're, we're really committed to doing what's right for the patient, right for the physicians, and, and certainly right from a compliance standpoint. Sure. Sure. So how many people are you looking to bring on? We're hoping to add probably around 10, at least this, this year. Um, we, we don't want to get too far out over our skis. Sure. Um, and, and like most startups, we're, we're balancing the bottom line with the top yep, line. You have to. And, and so, um, if we're successful there, then, then we're going to continue to add, um, and, and, and grow our team. And, and, and I think we will, because again, we're, we're seeing some really promising, um, results with some newer applications, um, that really will open the doors and make this, uh, this a fun ride. And, you know, what, what I've, I've shown, you know, full kimono to, to Brandon about our business. The, the fun thing that gets me super excited is it's really like an open territory. So you've got this phenomenal product um, that, you know, customers are really approaching us, but we don't have right now the horsepower, the manpower to, to cover everything. Sure. And so that's what we're trying to ramp up pretty quickly so we can, uh, you know, have the coverage in place. So as we do get some of these uh, new applications, we can really take the market by storm. Sure. What do you, you mentioned training before, just from a sales training and clinical training. Um, what are you guys doing around that and how does that tie into your culture? Yep. So that, that's a work in progress. So, so we, we have, we're very heavy on the technical training right now. Um, I, I would say, honestly, the, the, the sales training is evolving. Um, and, and we're still, um, working through that to, to make it a best in class organization. So that's, that's still very much a work in progress. It, it always will be though. Right. I mean, yeah, that's true. Right. And, I mean, and, 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 and I'll, I'll leverage this, this, this podcast, Jim, we're, we're looking for someone that can head up the, our, our training and development program. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm actively I, recruiting. Yeah, exactly. So if you, anybody listening to this, you know, <laughs> you give Tom a call. So um, yeah, you bet. Right. I mean, you got, but, tra- but that's the thing about training. You, well, you've heard me say this training is not an event. It's a never ending process that you have to go through. And that's that learning environment. Yeah, you went through training. You remember this in the early days. Yep. And tell us, they go into training and certain reps would come back and say, Well, I ran into this problem. You didn't teach me that. Well, I can't teach you everything, 
right? But I'm glad you're sharing it with me because now we can make the training even better as we go out there and basically get our asses kicked in, which is going to happen, and you accept it, but now we're going to take that information and prove training. And yeah. and that just never ends. It's that, that cycle that continues to grow, and you got to embrace it. And so, I mean, obviously, you know, you know that. And- no, you do, but, but I do think, Jim, it's one of those – items that is often overlooked in a lot of organizations um, and, and just that, that ongoing element. And, and to me, that's, it, it's such a culture build because if you can really, you know, as you used to say, be a learning organization where, where you're constantly evolving and, and, and you need to challenge each other and challenge even experienced reps to get better um, and really facilitate that communication as we figure things out in the field you know, the, all the interviews that we've had so far, I mean, I tell them, I said, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And, and decisions need to be made close to the action. And, and that only comes with good communication. So I need folks that are wired that, hey, I don't have the solution to this or I haven't had this all figured out. Let's talk about it. We work to something and then we share it. Now, now that becomes a best practice. Exactly. And we train to it. That's exactly right. So, so good. Well, listen, Tom, um, I, so people are listening to this, you know, congratulations on, uh, I'm going to Tissue Tech. It sounds exciting. Um, I'm rooting for you and Brandon uh, to, to make this thing a success. How can people get in touch with you if they're interested in, in talking about opportunities? Yeah, I, I think the, the easiest thing is, is probably just through email or LinkedIn. And so, you know, I think through this podcast, I'll have my, my LinkedIn information um, and they can message me there and then uh, and I can get in touch with them. Um, give them my email and everything through that, I think might be the easiest. Okay. No, that sounds great. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your perspective on the market, sales reps, culture, training, all of that put together and what you're trying to build over there because it's, it's exciting. And um, I wish you the best of luck. And Tom, thanks again for taking the time for the Medical Sales Nation. No, this was super fun. So uh, it was it was good catching up. I always love talking with you. So this was uh, this was good. Yeah, next time uh, we have to have an Intellis reunion. We got to get. Uh, uh, we we could do like yeah a total roundtable. Yeah, That'd be total a total roundtable. You know, make fun <laughs> of each other and all the crazy things. So um, uh, we 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 still do that. Let me tell you. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> no, I bet. So I, life's too short. So again, yeah. I mean I, that. I, it, it's one of those things that can't be underestimated, right? The, 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 having fun in that, that culture is, is a huge, it's a huge thing. We work too hard not to enjoy it. That's right. No, that's right. So, um, well, thanks again, Tom. Medical Sales Nation, you can contact uh, Tom Williamson on LinkedIn. You can find him under Tissue Tech. And um, once again, uh, just uh, I think a great opportunity for, for people out there that are, are looking to join of an aggressive, fun culture that's going to change people's lives. So without uh, further ado, everyone have a great week. Until next time, hang tough.